Welcome to the Think Generational Wealth Podcast, episode 33, and I'm your host, Amir Estimo. And today, I know this episode is being dropped on Sunday, February 7th, Super Bowl Sunday here in the States. Not our normal every Friday at 5 a.m. Just ran into some things, very busy this week. So I just felt like, just to be consistent, I want to make sure I still bring you some podcasts. We will return back to our Friday. We will return back Friday. Every Friday, 5 a.m., you'll expect a new podcast. So you're getting, just for this week, you're getting this podcast on, well, you're getting this podcast on a Sunday, not our normal. But I, for me, one of my goals this year was to be consistent in recording the podcast and just being able to keep that consistency because I enjoy podcasting. I enjoy sharing information. I enjoy sharing my journey, just being personable with you guys. And hopefully whoever listens to this podcast, take action. And hopefully this podcast can be a, that you can take this podcast and share it with someone if you really enjoy the content. Also, please don't forget, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review. So if you're on Apple, check that purple app that says podcast. Look for Think Generational Wealth. You see the you see my black and yellow logo with the little brain. And then just leave a review. I would love to know what you think. What would you like to hear on the podcast? Uh, just being able just to be able to get an idea of what am I doing? How am I doing? I know there's a lot of podcasts out there. And there could be any podcast you're listening to. So I appreciate the one thing I always say, and I always say in this podcast is we can get money back, we can get material things back, but we can't get time. So if you're listening to this podcast, I do appreciate you taking the time to listening to it. Trust me, I appreciate it. Also, if you, I'll, towards the end of the episode, I'll share my contact information. You can hit me up on social media. Facebook, Instagram. So all that will be shared later on. But let's dive into this podcast today, guys. So the podcast today's episode 33 is titled Four Ways You Can Get Into Real Estate to Build Generational Wealth. Now, I know a lot of people probably hear this all the time. Real estate's a, a good way to build generational wealth. You can get into real estate. But I always I would like to reiterate that message because the importance of it, because when you're building generational wealth, it's not always about, you know, you're, you know, you maybe have stocks, you may have investments, but real estate is a key component because when you really think about let's look at McDonald's. Right. And I'm pretty sure everybody's heard this story. McDonald's sells hamburgers and they sell food for the most part, but they're really good at selling hamburgers. And me, myself, I'm not a big fan of their food. But one thing I do admire at McDonald's is McDonald's is not in the food industry. Right. They're in the real estate business. Yeah, they sell food. But when you really think about it, when a new McDonald's is built, they're buying the property. They're building McDonald's on there and they're franchising that out to someone else. So someone else actually owns McDonald's, but they don't own the property that that McDonald's sits in. So when you think about it, if big corporations like McDonald's are doing this, what about us who are not at that level, at that scale? 
Couldn't we do the same thing? Sometimes we look at what these big corporations are doing and we're saying, well, you know, we're we're basically giving negative feedback. But if you really think about it, stop and think and say, okay, what are they doing that I can replicate? And I can go from there. So you look at McDonald's, they're in the real estate business, folks. If no one knew that, McDonald's is worldwide. There's not a place probably in this globe that doesn't have a McDonald's. But they are in the real estate business. So I started uh, a wholesale business. And I'll get to this wholesale and I'll explain what it is and whatnot. And I started wholesaling and wholesaling is a is is very intriguing. It's very it gives you an opportunity to pick deals. So let me dive into that. So again, the title of the episode is Four Ways You Can Get Into Real Estate and Build Generational Wealth. Okay? So I know I mentioned wholesale. So what is wholesale? Okay, to give you a, a definition of it, wholesaling is when you yourself you find a property and then you put that property under a contract. Now, you don't own the property itself. You own, you have equitable interest in the property. So you can assign that contract to a buy-in, to an investor. So now you have a seller, which is the person you're going to put that contract under. So you're going to say, okay, you have a seller who's a, who has a distressed situation. Now, a distressed situation could be anything. It could be, you know, they the property's left over them, maybe to a mother who passed away, left the property. And now, you know, it's the kids don't want anything to do with the property. So they want to get rid of the property. What? The property could have gone into a foreclosure or pre-foreclosure. Two, the property could have like, owed taxes. So the, whoever the landlord is or whoever owns the property don't want to pay the taxes, so let the property go. So you as a wholesaler or can come in and put that property under contract. The you own you put the property under contract, then you assign that contract to a buy an investor. Now you're basically the middle end, you're the one who's who's basically running the transaction. You're taking that trend, you're taking that paper then you are taking it to a title company. The title company opens escrow and then they run to make sure there's no liens on the property or whatnot. Then you assign that contract to an end investor who's going to do the work for a fee. Now, the fee could be anywhere between five, as low as zero <laughs> or $5 up to a it doesn't matter up to I've I've even heard a sign uh, contracts being signed for a hundred thousand dollars. So keep that in mind. It's a the thing about wholesale though is very transactional, meaning that you constantly have to constantly find deals, go through the process constantly. So it's not passive at all. So there's transactional and there's passive. So wholesale is very transactional. The more deals you get under contract, the more money you make, the more fees you charge, whatever. But if you don't have, you don't make any deals, you don't have any deals, deal flow, 
You don't make money in wholesaling. That's the drawback about it. And there's also the fact that it may take it takes constant follow ups, constant follow ups for you to get with a seller. Sometimes you have sellers that go rogue on you and you have to spend a lot of time, resources trying to find these sellers. And God forbid you get into a seller and it's a and it's a it's probate. And there's all these people on that owns the property and you may have brother, sister, whatever fighting. That's another issue. But it's reward. It, the rewards are very great in wholesaling. OK. Second, you have buy and hold, meaning that you can actually here's another fit. Here's another transaction one fix and flip. Now, if you're a fix and flip investor, what that mean is you find the property. Now, the end investor could be a fix and flipper. OK, now they can buy the property. Let's say you, the wholesaler, you assign that contract to the investor. The investor is the fix and flipper. Now, the fix and flipper buys the property. What it doesn't matter, like they do some type of funding, um, whether it's private, whether it's with a hard money lender um, or even they use their own cash. But sometimes it's not good to use your own cash. It's good to use other people's money. So that fix and flipper fixes the property. Then they sell it for it and they make some type of money in between. Now, it's very waterable. But the problem with this is, again, it's transactional. If you don't have any properties that you're fixing and flipping, you don't make money. So those when you think of wholesaling and and fix and flipping, these are constant deal flows, constant deal flows. Right now, as a fix and flipper, the, the con about it is. You're dealing with uh, you're dealing with um, uh, contractors. You know, you may have contractors that may screw you over. Uh, you may have a property like let's say if the market shifts and also you fix the property, you put in, you know, 30, 40,000 to rehab the property. Then the property sits. Then you got to think of the holding costs to keep the property. The taxes, you still got to pay those. The electricity, you still got to pay those and any other things that may come up regarding HOA fees. You got until you sell that property, it's on you're the owner of it. And sometimes what happens is, is that with a fix and flipper, when a situation like that arises, then they they just go into another model, which is a buy and hold investor. Now, the buy and hold investor is you buy actually you buy the property and you hold it and then you rent it out. So let's say you have a mortgage of 100,000 on that property. You find someone, let's say you you buy the property. Now, as a buy and hold investor, a wholesaler may do the same thing. They may assign that contract to a buy and hold investor. Now, the difference between the buy and hold investor and the fix and flipper, the buy and hold investor, that's more passive, but they're also they don't put as much money into the property that a fix and flipper would do. So let's say if a fix and flipper puts 30 to 40K into the property, a buy and hold investor is probably going to put anywhere between 10 to 15. So basically, they just patchwork it. You know, they just kind of give it a little lipstick and they put it out because they're just renting the property. So where's the buy and hold investor? They want to be able to get the full money and put that property on the MLS or to fix to sell it and get them. They get more 
um, they will get more margins on that. Now, the buy and hold investor is they buy the property and they hold it. That's more passive. So meaning that you find someone to rent the property, they pay down your mortgage. So let's say if your mortgage payment is uh, $1,500 a month, uh, then you rent it out for $1,100. That $400 is yours to keep. One thing you got to keep in mind, though, as a buy and hold investor, now that $400 you're making, you got to be able to put money into a side just in case something comes up on the property. Also, you got to account for if you don't have anybody renting the property, right? You got to account for you still on the hook for the mortgage. So the mortgage is still on you. So you got to keep that in mind if you want to be a buy and hold investor. Okay. But it's extremely passive. You can also do uh, as a buy and hold investor, what you can do is you can buy that. You can do some type of lease. Now, there's other types. You can do a lease option um, where we do creative financing where you can buy the property. You become the bank. OK, but that takes you owning that property free and clear and you can become the bank and someone will just pay you the mortgage. They'll pay you. They'll take a mortgage out on. They'll take a mortgage. and You have an agreement with them. So that's that's another topic for another day. But as a buy and hold investors, there's several ways you can go about that. OK, but it's extremely passive. But one thing I keep in mind is if you got to keep in mind, are you going to be the one if something goes wrong with the property, they're going to call you or you're going to pay a management company, a property management company, a fee every single month to be able. So if something goes wrong with the property, they're not calling you. They're calling that property management company and the property management company is relaying the information to you. OK, then you have creative financing, which is you can get into like lease options. You can get into subject twos and all this other stuff. Uh, and creative financing is another way to get into real estate where you can you can negotiate. Basically, if you find a seller, all right, who owns the property free and clear, then you can actually uh, you can actually do a deal with them to where um, you can buy the property. So they become the bank. You buy the property. Let's say if they sell it to you at one hundred thousand then you may sell it to an end buyer for $120,000. They pay you a down payment. You keep that down payment. And then also they're paying the mortgage on the property. So when you think about it, let's say you have someone who does not have great credit. This, is, this option works for people who don't have great credit. So again, they, you buy it for $100,000. You sell it to the end buyer for one hundred twenty. dollars Let's say they put $20,000 down on the property. That's yours to keep. Then you do the mortgage. So if your mortgage on that property with the person who owns the, per- the property free and clear is, again, $1,500, you, <clears throat> excuse me, you, it's $1,500, you charge $1,100, that $400 is yours. And sometimes you could do that up, you could do that on terms. Uh, and that could be three years, four years, however you want to do it until eventually that person, once they, the end buyer, once their credit gets better, then they can go actually take out a traditional loan and cash you out 
But you got to think of the cash flow you made during that whole time. So it's extremely good if you know how to negotiate these deals, man. So those are four ways you can get into real estate and build generational wealth. Real estate is so lucrative. And this gives you the option to be able to pass this down to the next generation to generation. So again, this show is about think generational wealth. So it's about coming up with ideas and tips on how to build generational wealth, right? So real estate is such a lucrative business that if you do it right, you can pass this on from generation to generation to generation, okay? All right, so today's episode is a short one, but I wanted to share four ways you can get into real estate. Currently, I'm doing wholesaling, but I'm actually looking to buy, I'm buying land, because I believe if you can buy like land is we can't produce no much no more land. Houses, depending on the market, you gotta be able to pivot and say, okay, you gotta be able to have more tools in your box. Because the more tools you have, the more the more easier it is for you. So if you come across any kind of deals, you know how to circumvent that. But if you just know how to only do one type of skill, that's why it's important to build skill sets, especially in real estate. So today's episode, I know it's a short one, but I just wanted to be able to share four ways you can get in real estate. So you can go look these up. There's plenty of information on YouTube, et cetera, on how you can be able to get into it. Check them out and decide to get into one. You can either be a transactional or you can be passive. Now, you can even get into what they do, crowdfunding, uh, which means that uh, if someone you have a you have someone who's um, looking to buy apartment complex, you can put in your money passively and let them manage that. That's another thing. You, that's another way, which is multifamily investing, which is a syndicator. You can find a syndicator, someone who's syndicating deals, and that's buying commercial property. So that's another way you can get into real estate uh, and build generational wealth. So check those out. Go search them, research them. There's some. There's a lot of good people that you can follow. Uh, Kong, there's a guy on YouTube by the name of Kong, wholesale to millions. He's he's great. Max Maxwell is another good one. You can follow any of those guys, and they will basically show you the process on how to get into real estate, especially in the wholesaling. But right now, for me, I'm doing land. I'm focusing more on land because the niche here, especially here in the states, is saturated with wholesalers, everybody's, I buy houses, we buy houses and all this stuff. And it's, it's a really tough market, but I think no one's not really doing land. So that's what I'm focusing on. And you can even get into real estate that way too. You think about it, you own land, right? And let's say you get a Walmart or God forbid a McDonald's or any of those big companies, corporations come and build on the land that you own. Cause you're here in the States if you buy a home, you still got to pay property taxes to the county and the government. So they still making money. So you who own the land, even though you still pay taxes, you get any of these big corporations that come on here and build on that land. And that can set you off for the rest of your life and generations and generations. OK, now, where can you find me? LinkedIn, Amir Estimo. Facebook, Amir Estimo, A-M-I-R, last name E-S-T-I-M-O. Also, Instagram, the Amir Estibo. Twitter, if you want to check me out on Twitter, I'm not much on Twitter, but if you do, the Amir Estimo. 
Okay. I'm also looking at getting a clubhouse too. Uh, I haven't played too much around with that at, but I'm looking to get into that and I'll give you guys an update. Also, if you want to, if you want to reach me, you can reach me at thinkgenwealth at gmail.com. Thinkgenwealth at gmail.com. I would love to hear your feedback. Love to hear what you guys think, especially of today's episodes, even previous episodes. What could I do better? What could I keep doing? What should I stop doing? Give it to me raw, folks. I don't mind the feedback. I love it. Okay. Now, until next time, what should everybody be thinking? Generational wealth. All right, guys. Peace and see you guys next week.